their hope on their finances, which are uncertain. Instead, they need to hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in the good things they do, to be generous and to share with others. When they do these things, they will save a treasure for themselves that is a good foundation for the future. That way, they can take hold of what is true life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And Paul's writing to young Timothy about offering leadership in the church, and these are some of the last remarks from Paul to Timothy in this letter. In particular, these few verses that we just read, he starts with a warning, tells Timothy to warn the people of the community of faith in particular, but to warn the people, those who are rich in this life, beware of the temptation to become egotistical or high-minded, it says in another place, and not to put your hope in the finances, which are uncertain. Can I get an amen? Anyone who, who wants a, a sense of what it would be like to be tempted to put your hope in your finances or tempted to become a little high-minded when you got some money just needs to remember their first visit from the tooth fairy. You reach under your pillow that morning and you found that, I don't know, what was it, a quarter? The last thing I heard was a $5 bill these days, yeah. And the power you had in your hands. Look what I've got. Imagine what I can do. Or remember that first real paycheck you got. Maybe you got it in a paper check. Maybe it was a direct deposit for you. But you start to make plans and have dreams for what your life can be. Just remember that whiff of the new car smell. You get in here. New car. You think, oh man, I can hit the open road, comfortable, ready to take on the world. That temptation of some riches, some possessions, some money to make us a little bit high minded. Overconfident in ourselves and in what we have, or to even put our hope and our trust and our expectations in those things. That's a real temptation. It makes me think of a story I heard one time about an American businessman who was standing at the pier of a small coastal Mexican village. And as he stood there, he saw a fisherman coming into the pier in his boat. Small boat. 
And as he looked at the boat, the, the businessman saw this beautiful yellow fin too that the fisherman had in his boat. And so when the fisherman docked, the, the American businessman said to him, those are some beautiful fish. How long did it take you to catch them? And the fisherman responded, well, just a little while. And so then the businessman said to him, well, then what do you do with the rest of your time? He said, I sleep late, fish a little, take siesta with my wife, Maria. And then in the evenings, we stroll down to the village, sip wine, and I play guitar with my friends. And the American businessman said, oh, no. I have an Ivy League MBA, and I can tell you what you should do. You should spend more time fishing so that you can catch more fish and sell them, and with the proceeds from those fish, you could buy yourself a bigger boat. And then fishing with that bigger boat, you could catch even more fish, and the proceeds from that boat you could use to buy a fleet of fishing boats. And then you could use that fleet of boats to catch and sell fish, and, and from the proceeds of all of that, you could eliminate the middleman yourself and just sell directly to the distributor. And then eventually with those proceeds you could buy the cannery and you could own the whole process. Product processing and distribution could all be yours. And then after a little while your business would grow so big you could move from this little fishing village to Mexico City. And then eventually to LA and then to New York run this ever-expanding enterprise. And the fisherman said to the businessman, Oh, senor, how long would that take? And the businessman said, Well, a conservative estimate would be maybe 15, 20 years to build that empire. And the fisherman said, well, Then what? And the MBA said, oh, this is the best part. Then, when your business grows big enough, you could announce an IPO, and you could sell shares of stock in your company and make millions. And the Mexican fisherman said, oh, so what, millions? Then what? The American businessman said, then you could retire move to a small coastal fishing village and sleep late and fish a little and take siesta with your wife and in the evening stroll down to the village sit by and play guitar with your friends. When I read passages like this in the scripture from First Timothy and I hear stories like that one of the first things that comes to my mind is how foreign that sounds to the way we live our lives. So foreign that I don't know that we are ever able to fully even integrate in what it means to live. And I mean, this is to live in the kingdom of God because 
in this time, in this age, for this moment. Not to get high-minded, egotistical about it. Not to put your hope in what you have, your possessions, your finances. What an important warning it is. Because how tempting it is when you make a little bit of money or have a little bit of success or you built up a little bit of a business or you run it over time that it comes with it that thinking that, oh, well, then I know about things. I'm pretty smart. People need to listen to me. My opinion matters. But if we don't say it matters, maybe even more than other people. of our times, that, that kind of attitude even comes inside the church. And we have the church functions and operates. Not only are we tempted to get high-minded, but, but to put our hope and our trust and our expectation in our finances and what we've earned and what we have and see it as a means to what we want in life or what we want out of our church. So we have this warning from Paul. Don't put your hope there. Don't see your finances, your possessions as your way to have life and to live it. Don't see that as something that would make you more important or prestigious. Or have an opinion more worth listening to. Don't let it be the thing that you use to try to control life or situations or other people to get what you want. And rather, Paul says, tell the people to put their hope in God. To put their hope in the one who is the source of it all to begin with. The provider of every good thing that we can have or enjoy.
wheels that have been spinning in people's minds, even though this is a time where we can't be inside the building together for worship or for Sunday school like we're used to, that doesn't mean that we're any less the church. And in, and in fact, it may be the case that we just, without even wanting to or acknowledging it, maybe we've had a barrier taken down between us and the people outside of the church, the people around us, our community, our neighbors, the people that are driving by us literally right now on the street in front of our church property, the people that live in the neighborhood behind us and in the apartments across the street from us. Maybe this is the time and the opportunity to give God what those good deeds that store up treasures in heaven look like for us and the people around us. I mean, what, would it, what would it look like if we got on our hustle just as much about being good to other people and, and helping other people as we did about our own vocations, our own jobs, our own retirements? What would it look like if we voted not on what was going to be best for our 401k or for the economy, but we voted based on what's going to be best for the least and the lost and the hurting and the marginalized children of God in all lives? What would it look like if we gave our effort, our time, our attention, not to what was going to build up our bank balances? Rather to be generous with what we've been given, to be a blessing to other people in the name of God. And then trust God with it. And trust God to provide for us along the way. If you give, when you give, as a part of that generosity, when you give to the church. Generally speaking, here's what it means. To, to live out what Paul was telling Timothy, to teach people about it. Here's what he does generally. When you give it, it pays for the facilities. And it pays for the upkeep, maintenance, operations of the property, the grounds, which is a gym in this community and in Atlanta. church you've been here a long time, sometimes it's easy to get out of focus or lose sight of the fact that this is rare and unique what this church has to offer to the world and to our community, just in terms of the property and the audience. What a wonderful way for us to be using it even today. It pays for the facilities, the grounds, and it pays your pastors and your staff to lead and give vision, to equip and support you to be in ministry in the world and these folks that are all around us to do the good things that God created us to do. It pays for the resources to help make that possible. Whether it's materials, equipment, some of the stuff you see out here today. When you give it, it pays for us to be in mission. To, to literally go and bless people, to share with people, to, to help meet the needs of people. Through Shambly and through the United Methodist Church. Here and around the world. So just the very act of giving to your church with that generous spirit that Paul told Timothy about is a way to do the good things that God has created us to do, to share in the generous. Now, you've heard mentioned last Sunday and today, and you 
probably got in your email or in the mail some information about the work of the church right now to prepare for a budget for next year. And, and so part of that is asking folks, what do you intend to give? At least to share what you plan, and that allows the leadership of the church to put all of that together and, and figure out how do you budget for 2021 as a church. And also, if you were here last week when you watched online, you heard from Chip Zemp, who's part of the finance committee of the church and the leadership of our church, and who's been spearheading the effort to make sure you know what happens when you give and to encourage you to share what you intend to give so you can make those plans. And so I asked Chip if he would come back this week. He shared a little bit last week about when he and his family have found their fit in the church, and I asked him if he would share a little bit more about that and also some of the communications you've been receiving. So Chip, would you come? Thank you, Eric. Good morning, everybody. It's so great to see you again. And for those in the car and those online, thank you for joining. You know, as we mentioned last week, and I'm just going to recap for the for many of those that missed it. You know, this week or this year, we're calling the stewardship the Find My Fit campaign. And the reason we went there is because times are so uncertain that it's clear that the message has to be different for everybody. We can't just deliver the same message or just the usual things we would say because we don't know what things are going to look like. Even as we plan ahead to next year's budget, we don't know what that budget looks like. And on admin board this past week, someone asked the right and logical question, which is how can you build a budget if we don't even know what church looks like next year? It's, it's absolutely right. We don't know. Times are so uncertain. Um, but that's where we need your help. We need you to take the assessment, find your fit, right? Where you fit in the church and how we all fit together. Right? And I'm just going to reiterate, it's an anonymous assessment. No one will see it but yourself. The whole pledge process is an anonymous process where we come together, we pledge what we can give, and then we put those money to good work. What we're doing here today, what we intend to do next year, that's still unknown. We will figure that out. But we will build a beautiful budget together. And, and I ask that you all just look in yourself, figure out where you fit, how we all fit together, and pledge what you can. We're going to roll it up and we're going to build a budget that will serve the community, serve us, and build back the fellowship and even strengthen it from what it was before to something even stronger. And the assessment's not going to be perfect. I mean, we created it ourselves. So, you know, please don't get offended by anything that they say. If you have questions about it, my email, my phone number, or on the communications, we're going to continue to communicate with you. Just be a part of it and spend the time, even opt out if you have to, but let us know that you saw it. As I sit here and I think about halfway through stewardship and what our success is going to be, I, I know it's it's not really about the messaging, it's not about the assessment, it's not about what I say, it's about you guys hearing it and people seeing it. And so please, if you're aware of people who maybe haven't heard our messaging or haven't gotten something, let me know. Call me, email me. I want to make sure people get the pledge cards in their hand if they can't be here. So as a reminder, you can, you can take the assessment online. It will take you about five minutes, and it will it'll take you right through to an online pledge page. It's pretty easy. I did it myself. You can turn in your pledge online right there through Realm where you maybe give online normally. If, if you can't do that, we have the physical pledge cards. They're here today. The table's on either end. They've also been mailed out. We can mail them out to you if you didn't get one. Just let us know. We can, we can send an email. You can print one yourself. Just let us know so we can get one in your hands. And you can think through your fit and think how we fit together. And we can build a great budget together. Continue to support the growth of this church. Bringing the community in. 
designing all of our, our goals and what we're called here to do. So thank you again. It's great to see everybody, and I'll turn it back to Aaron. Thank you. Thank you, Chip, on behalf of your church, and thank you and, and everybody who's been involved in this effort and um, finance committee. This is, I was thinking about that uh, tooth fairy experience and, and all that comes to our imagination in those kind of moments. I went to the tooth fairy and the first paycheck and the work of the new car. And we think about all the things that we could get or make happen. I just wonder what it would look like for us to turn that imagination into the direction of what all can happen when we have generous, when we share, when we give, when we make it our, our focus, our intention, our effort, the, the place where we put our hope in living life the way God created us to live, to be rich in good deeds. Two verses of I am thine, O Lord. 